everybody, and welcome to another episode of React Roundup. My name is TJ Van Toll, and we've got a full panel here today. So with me is Paige Niedringhaus. Hey, everyone. Got Jack Harrington. Hello. Carl Mungazi. Hey, hey, hey. And our special guest today is Youssef El Azizi, which he's going to tell me in a second how I pronounce that incorrectly. But Youssef, welcome to React Roundup. Why don't you tell everybody joining us here who you are, what you do, and why you're famous, that good sort of stuff. Yeah. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. So my name, like you pronounce it correctly, my name is Yusuf Azizi. Like, I'm a software engineer from Morocco, North, Af- North Africa. So mainly, I am, like, working on React and React Native, like, uh, during the past four years. Like, I'm working on a company called Obite. So also, I am involved in some kind of open source. So I maintain some library. Like, one of them have, like, $1 million per year. So also, like, I write from time to time about like my journey using React and React Native, and uh, this is why I am here with you. When I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract, I was paid 60 bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to 120 bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of who wanted me to do development work for them because I had done that kind of work or talked about or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev Heroes aren't just people who devs admire, they're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. Yeah, and so you, I, I know one of the reasons we reached out to you is you wrote a pretty awesome article on some of the best yeah, React you. Native libraries that you want to use. So I guess like what inspired that article? Is it just like getting out some recommendations? Do you think that was like something that was lacking in the React Native space? I, I say this as someone I'm somewhat familiar with React Native, but I don't have a, a huge background. So maybe you could give us like a little bit of a background of what that's the whole article is about as well. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, so the idea about like this article, because like I, as I said, like I wrote like some article from time to time about like how I do something in, in React, let's say for example, how we, we can do forms in React, how we can do authentication in React. Like, but like the most question like, I see from like reader or some friends or my colleague in, in the work is like uh, this question, I need to, to do like uh, notification, what's the best library to use? I need like to do some kind of nice stuff with my mobile app. What is the right library to do that? So I come to my mind this idea of choosing like the most common use case, like we we mainly use in every mobile app and like try to choose or to give people the right ability to use like will maintain it easy to use let's say like this is the idea behind this article okay so how did you decide which libraries were going to make the cut i guess because there's i'm sure a ton of them i'm more familiar with react development and not react native but i know Mm -hmm. you know just from that experience there's more libraries than I can count in ter- for all different sorts of things. So how did you figure out what is what is worth recommending versus maybe what is worth passing on? Yeah, exactly. Like this is this is a hard like a hard question to ask uh, to to answer, but like the idea is uh, like I have some kind of like because of my work uh, at Obite, like we work on multiple projects and my main like work is just 
reviewing code and like uh, giving more advice to junior developers. So like, let's say I have this kind of overview about like the whole system, how it's work. And like, I have some kind of experience, let's say three years of experience and all the library I use to on this article, I already use them. Like I use, uh, I also like give some kind of, of, of comparison in every aspect of the article. So mainly from my experience and also, as I said, like I'm involved in open source. I like also I am following lots of people on Twitter. Also, like I have some kind of, of new libraries and in the article, you will find also like some library that's come in the last month and we have like a great performance test in it. So like this is the idea. I can't see 100%. This is the best library on the ecosystem. But like from my experience, like let's say it's like it's the best. <laughs> Awesome. So I was going to get started with React Native and you had to pick a couple libraries just to get me started on, say, like a forms app that's going to connect to like a GraphQL server. What would you, how would you set that up? Yeah, exactly. So maybe like uh, if you want like to choose the right React Native library or third party, like my idea, like uh, maybe you are like me when this is the most case uh, here in React Native system, like most people like come from a web background, like from React. So they are like jumping to, to the mobile view, like to their experience with React. So I will say like in every application, you will will uh, need to use like some kind of app icon for your application, like a splash screen for your app icon. Like, as you said, like you will have like authentication. So you need some kind of form utility or form library. So I will choose like for example for app icon there is kind of like react native plugin that you can use called react native make and it will help you like uh, create all different assets for your app icon also for the splash screen you can use like this library called react native boot splash it's very easy like they provide a cli like to to create all kind of assets for your splash screen as you know like you need some kind of native stuff and for forms I would recommend, like, I would recommend, like, using a React hook form. If you are, like, a React developer, you will be familiar with uh, with this library. It should work the same, like, with some difference, of course. But this is, like, the right one. And for fetching API, I would recommend, for uh, for sure, like, using React Apollo, maybe, and, or React Query, depend on your situation and the, your need. And as you said, like, if you're... Backend is GraphQL, I would recommend for sure React uh, Apollo clients. So as a beginner then, mm -hmm. in your estimation, how long should I expect before I get to a stage where I'm productive in React Native, right? So I can maybe hack around with some tutorials, but from your experience, how long would it take me to make that kind of move from actually hacking away and becoming a productive React Native um, developer? Yeah. I would say, like, for example, let's say from our experience with uh, my company, like most of our uh, mobile team members is coming from a web background, as I said. So if you are familiar with React, let's say you can like build products with React. I would say like one week with like, let's say we can give you uh, some kind of course or something like this just to start with. I would say like most of our developer coming from web, like they can build screens and all this stuff. but Mainly, I would recommend that you will have some kind of help with native stuff, like because people coming from like the web platform, 
I would say like the, the web platform is the developer experience is is the best. But like when you come to the mobile, you will have a lot of issues. You will have a lot of like uh, errors coming from everywhere. Like you need to deal with Xcode. You need to deal with Android Studio. I wouldn't say like that React Native is not stable, but like the mobile platform itself, the ecosystem is not as easy as the, 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 the web uh, platform. So I would say like the learning curve, you will find yourself uh, very quickly creating screen and to see that you, you are going to create button screens and all this stuff. But for some kind of, if you are developing something native, really native, like playing with performance and all this stuff, you will need some help with some native native guys for sure. Yeah, no, this is interesting because I so I used to be a member of the native script team and native scripts different, but it's mm -hmm. a similar approach. And what we found is the teams that were the most productive and successful were ones where they were mostly like web-based developers, but that you have at least like one native like specialist because yeah. like you're inevitably going to run into some like native specific junk and it helps to have an iOS or Android or both person around that can help get you unstuck or performance right, right. issues. So I'm I, curious. I can see like this is the, the dream team for React Native developers. Like you will have like, let's say four people just understanding how React work like on the web and you need some kind of a native guy understanding like deeply iOS and Android. Well then, so that my question is, which person are you on the dream team? Are you yeah. the, do you come like, from a React background? Like, <laughs> do you come from a native background? Yeah, I am coming also from React background, but like I read a lot about like how like Android work, how like the iOS, I'm trying to uh, to find the gap in my native uh, knowledge. So I'm learning one by one. Yeah. And then from, because you say you build, like your company builds a lot of different apps. Do you have yeah. like, do you hire dedicated iOS and Android specialists as well? Not exactly. So we have like one guy, like it's very good at EOS native, like have a experience. But like for Android, like we have, uh, let's say it's Android for me at least, I have more confidence of my experience with native uh, development in Android. So I will help some challenge on Android and the other guy will help us uh, like with any challenge regarding EOS. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, that's the dream team. But like, I think the another thing we found is that finding, I mean, one of the reasons React Native is appealing is because it's a lot easier to find React developers than it is to find really experienced iOS and Android developers. So yeah, exactly. Hard people to find. Yeah, yeah. Like in our company, like our process of like to, 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 to jump or to join our mobile team, most of the time, like we try to give like a course for our like some an excellent uh, uh, React developer. And after one week, he can like join like the, the team and be productive. So do you find that you do more React Native development or is it kind of a, an even balance between clients that need full-blown full, full -blown websites versus native apps? Yeah, I think it's depend on the, the project. Maybe like if the product owner like wants some kind of mobile app, so we'll jump directly to the mobile app. But for the most of the case, like we will start with the web platform, then we will jump like to, to the mobile one, like mainly. Do you share code in like those sorts of situations? <laughs> like if you, because it sounds like you do have some apps that run in both contexts. Do you have, mm -hmm. do you share code? And if so, I'm, I'm very curious, like the specifics of how you do that. <laughs> like, like to be honest, like we didn't have like the chance to share code, like because sharing code with the, the web and the, the massive 
it's very hard to maintain, like, to be honest, like the promise is here, like run, like right one and run everywhere. But like in the real world, it's not that easy, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what we found from our experience with NativeScript as well. Like you could make it work for some stuff, like maybe like your backend handling code yeah. and stuff like that. But then at the same time, like it becomes a lot of hassle to figure out a way to keep that stuff in sync and work it into your yeah. employment process and your CI and all, all of that. It, like let's say we have a chance like to share only the api parts like because we are using in the same project for the web and the mobile we are using a react query for to fetch the data so we kind of creating hooks for every api stuff and the the, the same folder can work uh, on the web and the, the the mobile without any issue but like sharing components or sharing utilities it's very hard to maintain okay eliciting a lot of groans I mean, aren't there component libraries out there that are supposedly both React Native and also web? Mm, I'm not sure. I didn't like have the chance to search for some of them. But like, as I said, like we didn't use it too much. And I think if, even like if we have like some kind of library, it would be very, very hard uh, to, to maintain. Like because like the platform, the, the web platform and the mobile one, even like they are like you can do the same, but like it's very hard to do it in a real production application. Yeah, I think like, like we we do we already do our best, but like it didn't it didn't work. <laughs> I think like one challenge is if you do if you do build a library like that, and I'm pretty sure they do exist, mm. you end up having to make compromises to make the thing work across both platforms. And normally, yeah, exactly. If you're going to go through the hassle of building a native app, like you don't necessarily want it to be a compromised app, like you want it to be super polished. So I'm always skeptical of those platforms. Like it's, it's one thing to share like business layer code, but like if you're trying to get to the point of sharing component code, it's, it's tough because I mean, iOS and Android and the web just work differently. So it's it's very challenging to get that to work successfully. At least I haven't seen anything that I trust to use yeah exactly exactly yeah i'm looking at um your company's website and the work you've done and it's quite good actually you've got a an online tech school you've got a company that does cargo of shipping you've got a company that does pet parents so like yeah. really, kind of, really kind of diverse mix of companies so in terms of your workflow I, i'm guessing for you to be able to kind of produce these applications you've, you've got like a maybe like a, a boilerplate uh, kind of code and then you've got like um, things that you have in place to speed up the process and allow you to kind of ship all these different applications with with, with them different kind of domain problems and different workflows yeah exactly so like from my article if you, if you read it to the, to the last like i recommended some library for every use case but like in the end like we have this kind of we call it you can create it your own like react native templates like when we grab all this library like let's say the most used one and we try like to use a template and we when we we need like to create a new project from like a a new startup like we just run it from the command line npx react native in it like and uh, we set the templates or by templates and you will have all the the library we use use commonly and uh, that that's the idea it's it's a good idea to be honest and it's a good for uh, because like as i said like we are not all senior developers so maybe as junior like when we have all kind of library already installed so for every kind of uh, let's say for example uh, we are using form like every application now like has form 
So pre-install it, we will have like React hook form. And it's easy for me at also like as a maintainer or as a reviewer, like to review some kind of, of stuff that already I know. So for, for me, like to review a authentication screen, I know that the, like our developer will use React hook form. So it's a good idea to, to, to do. I would recommend like every like team in any startup, like if they work with multiple products, they can create a template and uh, they start new project using this template. So Yusuf, how did you get started doing React native development? Was it something where you maybe started with React and then kind of transitioned into it? Or did you want to just start building native applications from the get-go? Yeah, like, let's say my background, as I said, like as like most of React native developers, is web. So I start with React. I get like confident with React building web uh, application. So and they jump to React Native. So I think this is ideal workflow like or path to to master React Native. Was it a need that you wanted? Like like you had a client where you needed to build a React Native app for them, or was it more of you were interested in? seeing what these different flavors of React were and just kind of testing out the different options that were available to you? Yeah, let's say I can answer both of them like because I used like to work on some side projects like behind my work. So mainly I work on some on a side project just to test how it works. React Native, like it's promising, like with the same experience you can build mobile apps. So I test it. And then like after we have some kind of, of, of clients that need mobile app, we choose to use React Native. And this is how like I am here. Like let's say I am three years now, like I guess experience of three years in React Native. So you kind of started learning it on the side. And then once you had clients who needed something in that space, you were able to say, hey, I've been doing this. I yeah, exactly. I think I can help get it set up and get it started. Yeah. And I think I would recommend everyone trying to learn React Native to learn React first. like Because as, as I said, like native development or mobile platform come with lots of issues. So it's a good idea I'd like to learn the fundamentals from the web as developer experience is good and then jump to, to the mobile platform and like new challenges. So I'm very curious just because I've been, I used to be a part of this sort of world and I've been out of it for a while. I'm curious mm-hmm. what you, like how does React Native stack up against some of the more, like the, the other options that now exist for cross-platform native, like Flutter is the first one to come to mind. I know there's some other options there as well. Have you experimented with them? Do you have any thoughts, opinions, and some of the other options out there? Yeah, like to be honest, I didn't experience with Flutter. Like it's very promising from what I said, what I say from YouTube channel and all this stuff. Performance, let's say, it's good than the React Native for for sure. Like it's and this like because of how Flutter work behind the scene is not like some kind of bridging, but like some kind of of Canva and uh, everything is painted uh, 100% like compared to react native like who will like do the bridge and uh, uh, convert it to, to to native side and you need java and objective c so let's say i think it's a good idea to have like uh, lots of solution i would say like 3 years ago react native is alone maybe native script and all this stuff but like we didn't we need more pressure for uh, to react native developer to produce more more stuff and the uh, Flutter did like a great job back then. 
And now, like we are seeing React Native trying to re-architect how React Native work behind the scene and trying to, to remove the bridge with the new architecture. Maybe you could, I'm guessing a lot of our listeners don't know what the bridge even is. So it might be worth just quickly explaining like a rough, like high level, how React Native works. Uh, And and I'm actually also curious because the fact that they're looking to remove that is news to me. So maybe you could also explain like what, like, you know, what's happening in the React Native world. What are they, what are they planning and working on? Yeah, I think like right now, like how React Native work behind the the scene is like, we have a JavaScript, like, uh, let's say three. And we have like a native one, like for Android is Java and for iOS is Objective-C or Swift, like depend on your uh, mainly Objective-C. Like, but uh, when you, let's say, press a button, like you need like to, to call something in the native part. And because like JavaScript and maybe Swift, we need some kind to connect with them. Like we need a bridge to serialize everything. Let's say to serialize like the button, X, Y, and all this stuff. And this is why we need a bridge. So you need to, to, to convert everything to JSON. And then for Java, you need to serialize all this stuff and know exactly the button and all this stuff. Also, uh, to, to, to know exactly what we need to do with the, a button click, we need to back then to, to the Java side, uh, JavaScript side. So this is how it works behind, like globally, Vision Global. Right now, like the new architecture is some kind of, I'm not, 100% like uh, sure if I am like the best one to to explain the new architecture, but like it's promising as they have this kind of GSE, like JavaScript, I think surface interface, JavaScript interface, when you can access directly to the native instance and call them directly without the bridge. So they will remove the bridge and you can call uh, exactly instance from uh, Objective-C and uh, Java without like calling the bridge, and they are using it on some kind of C++ thing. So it's it's very challenging, I, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'll say if if you're ever feeling this goes out to everybody here listening. If you ever feel like you're you're too confident in your JavaScript skills, things are getting too easy. I suggest going diving deep into the like React Native code base. Or I'm sure this is yeah. true of like other platforms as well. Because I knew this from like Native Script. It's some of the gnarliest code, because if, if you just think about what it's actually doing, it's kind of actually yeah. nuts, right? Like it's <laughs> it's native UI and then somehow through some voodoo, it's yeah. being driven yeah, exactly. by JavaScript. And it's, I, I, it's always and amazed hear, me. Yeah, exactly. And I hear people maybe if like from like the direct network system, like told me that this library is not maintained well and all this stuff. And kind of, uh, it's it's normal maybe because like uh, to maintain a React Native third library is it's very hard like because it's at least three language you need to master JavaScript maybe Objective C and Java and now like with the new uh, architecture you need to master also C so it's very hard like to maintain uh, a third party library from React Native so people always involving on the React ecosystem and React Native ecosystem it's uh, it's something very hard and like I take like the, the this thanks thanks to all people involved in the React React Native ecosystem. Yeah, that bring this full circle a little bit. I think that's why we need lists like what you built. But I think because it's so challenging to maintain these things, like, yeah. it's uh it's good to have like a curated list of which ones are well maintained and run really well. Yeah, exactly. So I'm noticing as I'm looking at your blog that there are a whole lot of different packages, but have you in your React Native development, have you stumbled across any 
libraries that provide kind of a more holistic solution for many of these things because I'm I'm familiar with some of the bigger libraries for React like Material UI or Ant Design or even Bootstrap where a lot of these things are built in as options depending on what your needs are. Have you found that there are any kind of more full service libraries mm-hmm. in your development? So, so if I understand your question, like maybe most of the library you talked about, like on the React system is related to the UI part. But here, like we have from my article, I said like multiple parts, like uh, how to deal with form, how to deal with like exceptions, how to deal with the loading stuff, how to deal with fetching API. And for the mm-hmm. part when you talk about like uh, the UI part, I suggest using Restyle. Like let's say it's not a predefined UI library, but like, it's an utility that you give, like uh, you need, like to give your design system set of colors and and the spaces and all this stuff, and it will help you like to build your design system. And for the most of the case in our products and uh, we worked on, like we need to build our own like UI part, and we think Restyle is the best choice for us. I think. Yeah. Looking at looking at that library, in fact. It looks like it's been built by um, a company, Shopify. Yeah, exactly, Shopify. Yeah, and um, I'm, I'm guessing they're probably drawing. Yeah, I think Restyle is a library developed by Shopify. What I love about it, like it's uh, fully typed, like it enforces you to use exactly what's already declared in your in your design system. Like for me, like it's helped me, it helped me very, very well like on the review. Because like when we set our design system, our color, our spacing, our buttons and all this stuff, I and people will not update our team and only use it for components. So in this case, I will I am sure that the, the design is consistent for all screens. Are you ready for core web vitals? Fortunately, Raygun can help. These modern performance metrics play an important role in determining the health of your website which is why Raygun has baked them directly into their real user monitoring tools. Now you can see your core web vital scores are trending across your entire website in real time and drill into individual pages to focus your efforts on the biggest performance gains. Unlike traditional tools, Raygun surfaces real user data, not synthetic, giving you greater insights and control. Filter your score by time frame, browser, device, geolocation, whatever matters to you most. And what makes Raygun truly unique is the level of detail they provide so you can take action. Quickly identify and resolve front-end performance issues with full waterfall breakdowns, user session data, instance-level diagnostics of every page request, and a whole lot more. Visit raygun.com today and take control of your core web vitals. Plans start from as little as $8 per month. That's raygun.com for your free 14-day trial. Okay, so I don't know about y'all, but when it, came to, when it comes to C++, I'm a little rusty. So, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, speak, um, speak for yourself. I, guess. <laughs> <laughs> I was just writing some yeah. this morning. So, <laughs> oh, okay, great. I mean, the last time I tried this was to teach some college students how to do that, and it was yeah. man, a little rusty. So, it, the idea of, of doing some C in there is freaking me out a little bit. So, Yusuf, how often do you end up actually getting into that kind of stuff as opposed to just hanging at the React native and React layer? Okay, so let's say for 99%, you will not uh, like update any kind of native library or something like this. Even like, let's say only if you are maintaining a React native library, you will like 
need your uh, skills on C++ and Objective-C and, and Java. But like if you are using React Native, no, you don't need like okay. to know how Java or how C++ work. Cool. So if I want to go make a little React Native app that would find like food carts in my local neighborhood yeah. or something like that, that I'm not going to need to write any C++ no, no, that. at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> so how have you found it starting to incorporate TypeScript into your React Native applications? Has that been a an easier transition or has it been a little bit challenging, especially with maybe something that didn't start out as a TypeScript application? Yeah, exactly. So, so right now, I guess like we have, you can start a new React Native project with JavaScript or TypeScript. So like the, the community like is supporting or uh, is pushing React TypeScript forward, I guess. And most of them like promoting TypeScript as like a best practice, like to start a new project. So mainly in the last couple of, I think last two years, like we see every React or React Native project starting their projects using TypeScript. I would say like it's a little bit challenging to to, to start with, I s but like you will see the benefit of it like after using it in two months or three months, especially if you are a big team. And yeah, yeah, I think it's worth learning it and starting your project with TypeScript. I wrote like a blog post about how like I... I learn TypeScript for React. It's very uh, good article about like my journey, how I started, like uh, learning from some YouTubers and doing a challenge. And recently, like I migrated my uh, my uh, one of my open source projects to TypeScript, and this has given me like the skills, like to to to, to see that I like now I have like confidence with my TypeScript. So for anybody, we'll definitely link to that article, but for anybody who hasn't read that article, what are some of your tips for getting started with it? Yeah, like the main idea of this article, like not uh, like most of people didn't know like TypeScript is just a superset of JavaScript. You will not need like to learn new new language. So this is one of them. And the, f the second the second advice, like try like to learn TypeScript just for React, like to start with. Like I shared like a video, like I remember from Ben, like he's writing a great video about like how you can start using TypeScript with with React. And then I uh, shared like a challenge, I guess, from GitHub channel. It's called the TypeScript challenge. Uh, I didn't, I wouldn't recommend like passing the challenge until the end because like at the end it's very hard to challenge. So maybe you can do like the simple one and the medium, and it would be, and you will feel like you are confident with your TypeScript skill for sure. So when you do your own projects, do you do them in, in TypeScript? You know, just kind of like one, yeah. one else? I think one year ago, like every React, React Native project in Obite, like we started TypeScript by default. And, and how do you find your colleagues um, adapted to go into a TypeScript first environment as opposed to and being JavaScript only for... <laughs> or, or, or yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit hard, like, because as you know, like, you need to learn new new stuff and all this stuff. It's a little bit challenging in the first, but, like, after that, they see the benefit and uh, they are, like, happy with the, with the decision. They've joined the cult now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a fast-growing cult. I mean, I think it they, really uh, is. Yeah, I mean, I think what... JavaScript's in the top eight, and all, and, and now TypeScript is two, which basically means there's two JavaScripts in the, the yeah exactly. Top eight 
yeah. out of all of us here, besides obviously Yusuf, how many of us are actually doing tab groups a lot? Because for me, I know it's something that I would do time to actually kind of dig into it really deep. I'm yet to find that slot where I can say, okay, I'm going to port this entire project like I needed. Let me just kind of get that learning. So I don't know if um, and if you guys are also doing it as well. Carl, could you say it one more time? You kind of broke up there in the middle. In the middle. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, like... yeah I was asking, besides Yusuf, um, on the panel, who else has managed to um, dive into TypeScript? Is becoming part of the of, of the movement, if you like. <laughs> so I have just joined a new company recently, and one of the two main code bases that I work on is built in TypeScript. So I am learning it in the trenches as we speak. <laughs> Not only is it built in TypeScript, which is a new paradigm for me, but it's also built in the style of clean architecture. So I am completely relearning how this code base is, is structured in terms of use cases and adapters. And Uncle Bob has come up many times. So there's a lot that I am taking in at all at once. But so far, I'm not hating it. There's definitely a lot more code. It feels like a lot more, I guess, not boilerplate, but just kind of setup of, of this is the type that this particular object is or this function or whatever. So that's interesting. But at the same time, all I've already seen that the error catching is better. It says, "Oh, I see that you've created this function that you're trying to import into this other app or this other component, and it's not here, or you haven't specified the right type to of of thing to be passed into it. It's expecting a string, and you're giving it a number. So it's kind of really helpful in that regard." But it's also a lot to try and remember to include that I haven't had to before because JavaScript just doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm also a big fan of TypeScript. I use it. It's my default for most things I do. I think my only reservation with TypeScript at this point is I'm still not very good at handling some of TypeScript's more advanced typing features. Like, Because I know you can get pretty crazy in terms of their are things like compound types, union types. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm not even sure if I'm using the right words, but I've never properly taken the time to learn them, which is, uh, I mean, most of the problem is here is it's on me, right? Because TypeScript is really <laughs> well documented. But at the same time, like with things like this, I feel like I want them to be intuitive so that I don't have to like sit down and like read a book to understand them. And I've always found TypeScript a little weird about that, but I mean, that's my only reservation. Like I've, I've benefited tons from the, just the code complete, the, the air catching, like it's, it's been big for me. So it's now my default for new, new projects, new apps. Yeah. So for me at Nike, we were just converting over to TypeScript when I left. And then the, the two startup jobs that I got on after that were just TypeScript from the beginning. And I'm going to do a shameless self-plug at this point. Uh, I've got a 34-part no BS TS series on my YouTube channel where I go <laughs> all the way from tip to crazy advanced tail and into React and all that sort of stuff. So I'm a huge, huge believer. I think in 2021, if you're not le learning TypeScript, you're going to have troubles in 2022 when you start looking for jobs. So I think most of the paying jobs are going to be TypeScript first, where now it's kind of like TypeScript is a nice thing. It's going to be a must-have thing in the future. Basically, I'm the only one here that was a uh, and no, it was yet to touch time. <laughs> 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 we're 
you'll get the invitation to the cult. It'll come in, it'll come in the mail. It's, you know, it's a nice club to be in. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people who are very into it. So yeah. <laughs> you'll be in good company. So actually, I say that's at work, we have a back-end service, which is written in Node and TypeScript. So I've had exposure to TypeScript, but not voluntary exposure. I think that's the bridge I need to to go over me voluntarily going over and embracing all the pain and the goodness that that you get from TypeScript. It's mostly goodness. At the end, I'm telling you, there it is. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Water's really warm. Jump on in. And you don't need to get crazy with it. You know, you don't need to do the template literals and the you know all the all, you know the generics and all that sort of stuff right off the bat. Right, you can sort of work your way up and into those. And but seeing generics applied to like React components is almost borderline magical. And so if you're going to write component libraries or things like that, you really need to dig in. And then when, when it comes to hinting and developer experience, it's just like, wow, this is really nice. Yeah, exactly. Well, you said, you said I think as TJ mentioned, like in, in, in the generic part, especially, like it's very hard like to understand 100% what's going on behind the scene with generic in, in TypeScript. Like I tried like... What I mentioned a few few minutes ago, like a TypeScript challenge, when you need like they give you some kind of, of use case for a React Native for a TypeScript challenge, and for medium and hard challenge, yeah, I swear, like I see the results and uh, the answer, but like I can't understand how they do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but those, okay, but those are like brain teaser puzzles. I mean, they're they're yeah, exactly. insane. If, if you look at that as your like your starting point of TypeScript, you're like, no. No, no, never, never. But you know, when you, if you look at it more practically, as like, hey, how can I make my React app better? How can I, when I'm typing in, you know, this component or that component, see, okay, these are the properties. You know, that's the kind of thing that that TypeScript can give you, even just as a consumer, right? That yeah. makes it really easy to code. Yeah, I was just gonna agree and say, like, you, that stuff you're only gonna get into, like, if you're running almost like component libraries or like like react itself like whoever's writing the typings for the react library like yeah like good luck coming up with a signature of use state right like there's your brain teaser right there <laughs> like so like things like that can be hard but it's not that's not like what you're going to sit down at your day job and be doing for the most part you're just going to be typescript will automatically figure out you have a string and it's going to tell you when you try to do non-string things with it <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, you said this has been a lot of fun. Are there any topics that we have missed? And I'll put this out to the panel as well. Anything else with React Native? Any like magical tips that you need to get out here while you're while you're on the show uh, that we haven't covered so far? Like, like to be honest, I would I would recommend like everyone like or every team like to create like a React Native template because it's very beneficial. Like we tried here in Obite, like, and it's worked uh, very very well. So if you are like a team and you use like React Native for multiple projects, try to create templates and it should work great. And they use TypeScript by default. It's, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, if we have nothing else, I think we can transition into our picks for this week. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. 
Paige, do you want to kick us off? Sure, I would be happy to. So my pick for this week is going to be something that I recently bought off of Amazon, and it is a stainless steel tea brewing basket. So my husband, since I've been working from home for about the past year and a half, my husband and I have gotten very into having tea together at three every day. It's just kind of like a little break in the afternoon where we, because he works from home as well. So we get to just hang out in the kitchen for a minute and, and see how each other's days are going. And we've recently upgraded from tea bags to loose leaf. And so that's been an experience where the tea is much tastier, but it also requires a little bit more work and setup. So these little baskets that we bought off of Amazon, they're stainless steel. They can be used for coffee. Haven't tried them that way, but they're also great for tea because they've got very fine mesh. So the tea doesn't get out and get into your actual tea. And they go through the dishwasher just fine. They're easy to clean out. And they've been really good. So I would I would very highly recommend them. And they're pretty large. So there's a good option opportunity for the tea to kind of steep and get into your cup. You can just put it right in your cup of heated up water or pour water over it. And it's it's really good. So that's what I'm gonna recommend this time. All right. Uh, well, I'm gonna recommend looking into a library that just came out from Facebook called React GUI. And it's really interesting. It's meant as a, a layer that goes essentially underneath design systems. So they're actually giving you a, a set of toolkit. A toolkit makes it easier to build design system components. So, and it's really, it's an interesting way to look at hooks and look at your reusability in the space. And apparently, seemingly, it actually all works across both React and React Native. So that's really cool. And, and definitely just an interesting look at, if, even if you aren't going to use it yourself. Yeah, I'm looking over the, the docs, and this is sort of fascinating. Carl, do you have any picks? Yeah, sure. I want to say that's quite fancy, by the way, Paige. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my first pick, um, this topic today reminded me of a book that I saw a few weeks ago. I haven't bought it myself, but it's about building mobile apps at scale. And it was written by a, a developer whose works that comes from the big companies. Um, and, and kind of in tech and also uh, people that works in like Uber, Google, Twitter also kind of wrote about Autin as well. So I think it's good for anybody who wants to kind of know how it's going to build native apps if you're talking about building it for like a really big scale. And the second one is a YouTube channel, which I came across recently and I've been binge watching for the last uh, few days. And it's by a the YouTube channel is basically uh, this guy from Ghana in Africa. He's basically traveling the continent and looking at how um, young Africans are building businesses uh, in like tech and agriculture. And I think it's really, really cool because it kind of gives you a window into the continent, which maybe you might not see in the media. So yeah, I mean, like th- there's one story where this guy in, um, in Sudan, he built a Uber for, for Sudan because basically Uber don't, don't, don't go there as well as other kind of services. So he actually said, you know what? I'll do my own thing. So he started his own kind of Uber service locally and it's doing well. And I just found it quite inspirational. So yeah, definitely check it out if you want to kind of see what's happening on the continent in Africa and um, get a kind of view into the uh, the tech system there in terms of like our culture. Like it's, it's a really, really cool um, channel to watch. Yeah, that sounds awesome. It sounds very interesting. So my pick for this week is GitHub Copilot, which uh, based off our conversation from, from Jack next week, uh, it's it's in a technical preview state, so you have to like sign up for an invite. But apparently, like 
I'm super special because I I signed up and I I got in right away. And we chatted about this last week, but essentially it's GitHub developed something that uses AI to help you with code. So you can do things like write comments and it'll finish the code. I found that it occasionally just sometimes just randomly what I'm coding, like it's, I've had like a couple of those moments where it's just like, holy crap, all of a sudden GitHub Copilot like finishes what I was going to write when I was stuck. And once you've had that one moment, you're, it's, it's just absolutely mind blowing. I, I was in a Kendo UI project and Kendo UI, you know, we're reasonably popular, but we're, we're not, you know, we're not operating at some big scale. And somehow GitHub Copilot was able to like find some Kendo UI API that I was struggling with. Who knows where it got it from, from some random, like it might've even been one, my, one of my samples up on GitHub or whatever and saved me minutes of Googling that I could just hit tab and drop this in. So if you haven't checked this out before, I highly, highly recommend just playing with it. It's, it's, it's free. You can just install it. You can just leave it on and just see what happens. It's very, very interesting stuff. So that will I think be it's, I think I've seen a lot of stuff that it's, it's about, just, oh, it's going to make whole functions for me. It's going to do all this, this sort of thing. And that's kind of overrated. I think what it really kicks in is exactly what you're talking about. You're writing, you're writing like, sort people by name and then you just see the implementation right after that and you're like what that's insane yeah. <laughs> and you just hit tab and you're like i'm done now i'm just literally like that's it and it's magical like it's just in those small moments it's not the big ones like oh write this whole function for me because it's never what you want but it's always the little ones you're just like that is that just saved me i don't know 30 seconds a minute but when you add it all up in the aggregate you're like dang I got that through that quickly. Yeah, what it did for me early, just earlier today, I was working on, I had a template that was getting kind of complex, right? I've got like some open function, like an event handler or whatever. And Copilot recommended the correct sequence of like curling, curly braces and parentheses, which was like, it was, we were like three or four levels deep at this point, but it, it automatically knew it's like, oh, you need parentheses, curly parentheses, you know, end tag or whatever. And I just stared at it for a second, like, no. And then I did tabbed in it. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. like, Whoa. So, right? I signed up, um, I think it was a few days ago, and I'm still waiting for my end test. So I don't know if it's because I'm not wow. a TypeScript user. Um, I'm being kind of put to the side a bit. And then... <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, that is my pick. So, Yusuf, what picks do you have for us today? Yeah. Nice me. I, I would recommend like checking Calnia Port books. Like uh, always, like maybe if you if, if you know some of his book, so good they can't ignore you. Like uh, deep work and digital minimalist. So like all his book is life changing books. I would recommend everyone to check to check them and read them if they have uh, sometimes. Could you state the name one more time or toss it in the, the yeah. chat just so we make sure we can get links for people? Exactly. Like author is Calnia Port. I'm not sure if I write it on it correctly, but like, yeah. Oh, yeah, we, we got you covered. So we will get that in the show notes. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Yusuf, this has been a ton of fun. Uh, this is, I've, I've definitely learned some things about React Native and such. I, my last question to you Thank is, you. if people want to follow your work, follow you, those sorts of things, where's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, my, I have like my website, com. Like you will find it in the episode notes, I think. So you will find all my mm, social media link. Mainly, I will respond to you on Twitter. Thank oh, you for cool. having me. 
Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. I definitely enjoyed this conversation. So thanks everybody for joining us. And until next week. See you later. See you later. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.